0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. I've got Jen with us today, and Jen's gonna tell you her story, why she believes she's got the best nutrition and lifestyle in the world, and what she finds great from it. So welcome Jen, introduce yourself to everybody.
1: Thank you so much. I am Jen, like you said. I am a doctor of physical therapy in Kansas, and I've been a carnivore for nearly a year now. So what that means to me is I eat only animal products, mostly meat, a little bit of eggs, actually quite a lot of eggs and a little bit of dairy. Um, And I started this diet to heal my autoimmune issues, which mostly consisted of psoriasis, but also some other issues like vasculitis. Um, And it has done that. I feel better than ever, but it's done so many other things too that I wasn't expecting. So I feel like I've discovered a miracle, honestly.
0: So take us a bit further back then, take us into how you began, where you found out about carnivore. I'm presuming you haven't been carnivore the whole of your life, so there must have been a turning point, an actual place where things started to change for you. Take us there.
1: Yeah, so I definitely have not been a carnivore my whole life. Most of my life I spent eating a standard American diet, but with lots of binging and lots of sweets Um, and then for the last several years before I was a carnivore, I was mostly keto, but still with lots of binging. So it was lots of vegetables and meat and stuff, but then all the sugar and alcohol when I was binging. Um, and when I first discovered carnivore was when I was in the depths of despair, truly, uh, just with the worst psoriasis you could ever imagine six months after having been in the hospital with vasculitis. So, I mean, it had been a lot of health issues. And so at this point I was very frustrated because I know doctors were really able to help me, my dermatologist, my primary doctor, all that, they couldn't seem to help. So I went to a naturopath and frankly, he didn't help me that much either, but he had a nutritionist on staff and she just happened to mention the carnivore diet one day. At first I thought she was out of her mind, but then as I listened to what she was saying, it just kind of felt like something I should try. So then I spent some time, researching the internet, finding people like Michaela Peterson and Kelly Hogan that had been doing a carnivore diet with success for a long time and I just felt like it
0: was for me. So you say that you was keto before and then was that kind of your period of fat adaptation do you think cuz some people will say they want to try carnivore but it's so difficult just to jump in and be a carnivore. I'll always say you have to take steps to get there. Lots of people go to keto first or paleo that kind of thing. You really have to fat adapt your body. It's not, not always something you can jump straight into. Sure, there is people out there that, that can do it, but a slower kind of fat adaption approach is a better way to get there. So would you say that keto for you helped you become carnivore?
1: I do think being keto first helped, not necessarily because of fat adaption though. I highly doubt I was fat adapted and I certainly wasn't in ketosis because I didn't stick to it well enough and I would binge all the time. I would gain and lose 20 pounds in a month all the time. Um, But I think just having already been used to doing weird things with my diet and making accommodations when going out with friends and cutting out certain things like gluten, I mean, cheating all the time, but still kind of having that practice of making those changes maybe helped me a little bit to not feel like I was just completely diving off the deep end as a carnivore. Yeah,
0: I think that's important to say as well to help people understand that it's not the fact that one day you're not carnivore kind of and then the next day you are carnivore kind of and that's it. It's not a straight dead end thing or a straight line of of progression from where you are to where you want to be. There's always those potentially you'll drop off the face of a cliff somewhere. Potentially you'll have a bad day. Potentially things will go wrong for a day a week a couple of weeks but it's all about building that base and trying to ensure that you can go forward for a lifestyle for it
1: yeah i agree and i do think some people could definitely do it just cold turkey um that wasn't my path but until i went carnivore i couldn't stop binging and cheating anyway no matter what diet i was on because i had to cut out all sweet tastes Really, all carbs, all insulin spikes. I had to cut all of that out so that I no longer had these irresistible urges to binge. And once I did that, it's like I've truly been basically cured of a 20 year plus binge eating disorder. I know I'm saying this like using these big words, like it's miraculous and healed and da da da. But I truly believe that that has been my experience. It has been that life changing. Well,
0: where was the turning point for you then? Because like you would have started off being carnivore, thinking, following these podcasts, following the people who are shouting about carnivore, but I've spoken to a lot of people and they say it takes a long time before you actually become 100% committed to it. Like you said, you've had your days in and out here and there. But when would you say that you thought, no, actually, I've got to cut out everything. I've got to go full carnivore. Was it the fact that, Your skin started to feel better. Your health started to feel better. When were the points? If people are are listening to us today thinking, well, I've been trying it now for a week and nothing's happening. I've been trying it for a couple of weeks and I feel a little bit better, but I'm not sure about this. Maybe I should go back to carbs. Maybe you can help people understand how long it takes and what sort of pointers you can give people to keep going with it.
1: My story is a little bit complicated. So I'll share as much of that as I can to kind of explain. So when I first learned about the carnivore diet from that nutritionist, I completely dove right in, but honestly, probably too hard. I was almost doing more of a lion diet, like just meat and salt. And I wasn't really sure about things like coffee and flavored sparkling waters and spices. So I was trying to avoid all those things. But because I just dove right into all of that so deeply trying to be so, so strict, then it was like, I would cheat with those other things with coffee, with dairy, with spices. And then I I mean, I wouldn't binge, but I would notice slight flares in my skin because it was kind of getting better, kind of going back, kind of getting better, kind of reverting. And so it was getting extremely frustrating. And about six weeks in, My skin started getting significantly better, but I was having trouble sticking to that strict of a diet. And so about four months in, I started cheating here and there, and then that would lead to binges because when I say cheating at this point, now I'm eating like cookies and drinking alcohol. And so then my skin was like a wreck again. So basically, long story short, I stopped doing the carnivore diet completely after four to six months. This was a couple of years ago. Um, because I was just, it had turned into all the other diets I've done before where I just start binging and it's just terribly unhealthy mentally and physically. And so then six, maybe more months went by and I was, I was gaining a ton of weight, not very happy. And I realized when I was really doing a carnivore diet, that was the best I've ever felt. That was the happiest I've ever been. And my skin was doing pretty good. Um, but I don't think I can do a carnivore diet temporarily and kind of mess with adding things back and experimenting a lot, but I also don't think I can keep up a strict lion diet type of carnivore diet. So in February of this year, 10 months ago or whatever is when I decided, Nope, I'm going to be a carnivore now. I'm going to eat whatever animal foods I want. Um, I'm going to do kind of experiments with it and see how I feel, but it's, there's no more, maybe I can have a cookie or maybe I can drink sugary alcoholic drinks, or maybe I can add this back in. Like those things just aren't food for me anymore. And so once I made that decision that I am a carnivore now, this is the way I eat. These other things are not food for me. I just truly haven't even had any more temptations. I have not spent one day, one meal eating anything that wasn't an animal product, but right. I have the strings a little bit when it comes to like, I'll go out to eat and get a steak that has spices that I wouldn't necessarily cook with. Or, um, on occasion, like if I'm at the pool, I'll have like a LaCroix, which is a sparkling water with a flavored whatever natural flavors. Um, mm-hmm. but those are not very big cheats at all. And I just allow myself to do that from time to time.
0: Yeah, that's great, because I was going to say, what does carnivore mean to you? Because some people will say carnivore is just meat, water, salt. That's it. Other people will advocate for now and again, like you say, going out, having some spices. Or we've seen on social media, we've seen across all YouTube now that carnivores are adding in fruits and non-starchy vegetables, honey, that kind of thing. So is that something you incorporate into your nutrition? Do you believe that's something that can be in a carnivore nutrition? And what are your thoughts on that?
1: My def my definition of a carnivore diet is animal products only. So, and I don't even mean honey because I don't think that's an animal product. That's just like the bee, what it's excreting or whatever puking up. I don't know how bees make honey, but it's not it's not from it's not an animal. So, um, I would say any meat, eggs. Even dairy, even the dairy that has carbs, I don't really utilize, eat or drink any of the dairy that has a lot of carbs like milk or um, like cottage cheese. I don't do any of that. But I think if you wanted to, that's appropriate. Um, So yeah, I'm pretty strict about it. Just meat, eggs and dairy and then salt. But I do drink coffee. I I think that coffee is not carnivore. It's just something that I allow myself to have. And, um, yeah, I definitely don't include any kind of fruits or vegetables and, you know, I'm not here to tell people what they should, what they can and can't do. If, if they can thrive on a carnivore diet, adding in fruit and vegetables and they are meeting all their goals and their health is great. Like awesome for you. For me, if I were to add in those sweet tastes, um, that's going to create binging issues for me. And also I know from my experience, as a keto person eating a ton of veggies, that that was when my skin was the worst. Now I can't exclude for all the binging I was doing too, but I feel like the veggies had something to do with that. So for me, it's just not worth it with the with the plants.
0: Yeah, I always ask that question because I think carnivore means something different to everybody, and I, I truly believe it should as well because I think there's plenty of people out there who, like yourself, do have things that they're battling in the background, like skin complaints or digestive issues and things like that. And they really have to stay on top of that. But along the way, we kind of worked out that a carnivore-style nutrition is optimal for human beings, especially biologically. That's what our body wants. It wants all the nutrition from a carnivore diet. So if you can have that as a baseline, and then there is these people out there that can add in fruits and some veggies and and honey and, and whatever they want. But you must understand that they've experimented with that and and it works okay for them. So that's their definition of the carnivore diet. They're still very much animal based as it were um, very much getting all their nutrition from the animal produce. So although we say carnivore, there can be adaptations of carnivore. You don't necessarily have to be the strict meat, salt, water, and that is it. But what you do have to do is listen to your body. And I will always say to people Make sure you go to meat, water and salt first, be 100% carnivore, and then you can build from there. It's no good saying I'm going to be carnivore and I'm going to have fruits and vegetables because you'll never know what you feel like or what your body actually does on just 100% carnivore. And I believe that's kind of what you're saying you've done. You've still incorporated the coffee in there. It doesn't cause you a problem. So your version of carnivore is to still have coffee in there, which is perfectly fine. And lots of people do that. I do that myself. <laughs> so it's perfectly fine. But before before you became carnivore, and before even when you was keto beforehand, was you doing exercises then? And do you believe that you can still perform doing exercises even without having such amount of carbohydrates in your nutrition?
1: Yes, I was always sort of hit or miss with exercise before I was a carnivore. I would get really motivated and exercise a lot it was a bunch of weight and sort of achieved my optimal body. And then I would start binging and then not feeling like exercising and put on a bunch of weight. It was always this thing where it's like, well, I already cheated on my diet today. I'm definitely not going to the gym. So I had a lot of those days. <laughs> Otherwise, I guess I would say I was pretty consistent with exercise. And then when I first went keto I didn't have too much trouble with exercise from the energy standpoint, but some, like I I didn't have much energy for longer duration cardio, like riding my bike for 20 miles or something like that. I could do it, but it was, it was more difficult. I could notice a difference. And then when I went carnivore, I was pretty nervous about how that would go. I was actually in the middle of a pretty hard strength training program at that time, going from keto with binges to carnivore. And I was incredibly surprised to notice that there was no decline in my performance, um, during that specific weight training program. I didn't have to decrease weights. I didn't have to decrease intensity at all. I did really, really well with it. And I found that for the longer cardio tasks, like a 20 mile bike ride or, um, hiking for 16 miles, something like that, that I have pretty good sustained energy. However, one thing I've noticed as a carnivore that I never noticed on any other diet is that I seem to have more trouble acclimating to the elevation. So I've been on two hiking trips this year, one in um Montana and one in Lake Tahoe. And both times it took me two or three days before I could hike without my heart rate being like 170. And just feeling like cardiovascularly, I could not push anymore, even though my muscles were fine. My energy was fine. My heart and lungs just couldn't take it. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like that has to be related to carnivore because nothing else really changed where, and then on previous trips to Colorado or whatever, were even higher elevations. I didn't have such trouble acclimating. So I can't explain that, but that has been my experience.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting to know because I've not come across that before. I've not heard that before. So that's perhaps something different to dive into with, it, with the research to wonder why that could affect, Uh, you know, altitude could affect that. Perhaps it's something to do with blood flow. I don't know. Just guessing. I've not heard that before. But I have worked with lots of athletes in the past, and we do kind of work out that endurance increases, uh, like, like you say, and strength tends to increase by being more animal produce-based, being more on a carnivore-style nutrition. Um, but also that comes along with that, that athletes tend to be scared of, and even people in general tend to be scared of, are periods of not eating. And you'll hear it out there, people say about fasting and they fast a certain amount of hours. But I think what happens when you become carnivore, and especially when you become really fat-adapted on, on the carnivore-style nutrition, is your body just naturally finds... Times when it wants to eat and times when it doesn't want to eat, and to call that a fasting or, or to call it intermittent fasting, um, I don't really like to do that. I like to call it intermittent eating in a way because then that's kind of really what you do—you just eat when you want. Have you found that potentially you kind of forget to eat on account of our nutrition?
1: I haven't found that as much as probably some others have, and maybe because I have such a history of disordered eating with binging and stuff. And I have tried fasting intermittently and, uh, like 24 hour fast, and it hasn't seemed to work well for me. Um, I've with intermittent fasts, I've been really lethargic basically every time I've tried and with, uh, the 24 hour fast, I did it and I was so excited for myself. And then I felt a little bingy. Now I didn't eat any non-animal products, but I was definitely overeating carnivore foods. So, um, I've made more of an effort to eat on more of a scheduled uh, timeframe for that reason. But I definitely, now that I've been doing this almost a year with no cheating or anything, I definitely start to notice that I'm not really always hungry when I'm eating and thinking about, you know, I'm being very gentle with myself about it, but I need to start really paying more attention to those cues and, and being okay with skipping a meal if I'm not hungry. Uh, knowing that I will be able to eat whenever I'm ready. There's no restriction placed on me, but uh, just being able to be okay with not eating when my body doesn't need those extra calories. So that's still a work in progress for me.
0: No, I think that's really something good to touch on because I've talked about fasting a lot and people always ask me about fasting and they think it's something they have to do. And it's not, you know, if, if your nutrition is spot on and you want to eat three meals a day, you can quite happily cope with eating three meals a day. You're not overeating. You're getting the right amounts of all your macros, your fat and your protein. Then there's no reason to force fasting. You know, yes. All right. There may be beneficial things to having longer fast. There may be beneficial things for giving your body a rest. If you have digestive issues, that sort of thing. But I do try and search out people who say, that you don't need to fast. It is it is not essential. You know, the really the human body just wants to have its fulfillment of all nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. And if your body is still asking you for that, then you are hungry. So eat. You know, the only reason that potentially, like you say, you've been doing it a year. I've spoken to people that have been doing it five years, six years, you know, it tends to be the case. The longer you go, the more your body reacts to having good nutrition so you go for longer spells of not eating because it sort of works out what's going on. But but people like yourself with a past of potentially being addicted to sugary kind of foods, once you go down that path, you can then it's very, very hard to get off that path. Then it's good to eat all the time just to remind yourself that you're having nutritious foods and you're not any in any way trying to starve yourself getting ready for some junk food. So I'm pleased you you've highlighted that. That's that's really good. But in terms in terms of lifestyle as well, I do talk a lot about nutrition, and I believe nutrition is the foundation of everything. If you've got your nutrition right, then everything else, it's like a puzzle. There's other bits of the puzzle that can fit in. But I do think you have to add other things into your lifestyle. Fasting could be potentially one, like we said, exercise, that's an acute stress. But is there other things that you could add into your lifestyle to potentially bring down your stress levels, which will help you through every day and also help you manage your nutrition?
1: Well, I think sleep is a big one. And a lot of carnivores have trouble, I think, with transitioning into a normal sleep pattern and i don't i haven't gotten to the bottom of why because i have kind of had fluctuations myself a few months ago i started focusing more on a higher fat carnivore diet and i have had a little bit more trouble sleeping or, or frankly i don't know if it's trouble sleeping or i just don't need as much sleep so i don't sleep as long i'm i wake up earlier it takes me a little longer to fall asleep but i seem to be sleeping soundly so regardless, it may take a little trial and error, but I think sleep is a big one. I think, um, have it, being able to maintain social relationships, which includes going out to eat and going on vacations and being able to do those things and still be maintain your carnivore diet, but have those joyful activities in your life. I think that's really important too. If you're just A carnivore recluse in your home, so that you can get everything perfect with your diet. To me, that's not a very satisfying life. So those two things in particular, aside from the exercise which you mentioned, of course, I I think that is a definitely underused tool in the carnivore community. And I, you don't have to exercise to be healthier on a carnivore diet. You'll be healthier anyway. But I think if you want the full benefits, exercise is a must.
0: Yes, definitely. Yes, I'm pleased you touched on sleep because. It's something that people often say when they are first transitioning. You you'll find within the first few months that people will complain about sleep. And the one thing I kind of pinpointed it to a little bit is when you're eating. If you if you're eating a high fat or a high protein meal quite close to the time when you're wanting to go to sleep, then it is very hard to get that sleep because your body's busy digesting all the food. So I will always say to people, try that first. You know, that's your first step. Potentially eat more earlier in the day not close to your bedtime not close to when you're wanting to be going to sleep and then that that can be helpful but but you are right it is something that over the period of time just becomes better i think your body just adapts to the fact that it needs to digest the the food before you head off to bed so it does become does become better and uh going on from that then when, when we're adding in all these different things like exercise and fasting and that, you, you would say You're adding in more stress to your life, but you don't want to add in stress to your life. You want to bring the stress down. So that's when we go back to to the nutrition and talking about when you go out and have meals with your family, have meals for your friends. People often say this is a stressful time. I don't know what to have. I don't know what to order. I'm on carnivore. So have you any tips for people out there how it's best to go out, still socialize like you say, you need to go out, you need to have those friends but still stick to being animal-based, still stick to not falling off the wagon every weekend when you see your friend.
1: You have a lot of tips on that, actually. And I've done a lot of different reels and stuff on this because this is very something I'm very passionate about. But um, I would say, depending on kind of the range of the restaurant you're going to, if it's fast food, that's easy. I mean, it's not the most, um, I guess, nutrient-dense or like the most wonderful animal welfare to go to McDonald's but in a pinch go to McDonald's and get burger patties or Burger King or Wendy's or you know some place like that where those are everywhere you can easily just get some burger patties um sometimes I'll even do it with cheese and bacon and all that but um moving up the scale a bit to more of like a mid-level restaurant most places are going to have burger patties steaks chicken wings if you can get them um not breaded and fried in tallow or something like that. Seafood is sometimes an option. Um, those are kind of my go-tos for most restaurants. Now, if I go somewhere where there just truly is not something that I can eat, I also just go in with an, with an attitude of being okay with fasting. No, I'm there to enjoy the company and I'll order a sparkling water and that's also what I order when I go for drinks with friends. I just get a sparkling water with a lime wedge on the rim. And then I feel like I'm still partaking. I look like I'm drinking. No one would ever notice the difference. And also I think it's delicious. Um, and then if you're going to a fancier place, like I went to one last night for a birthday party, they often will have a separate protein menu to add to your salad. So they'll have all these fancy salads and then they'll have this protein menu with shrimp and salmon and steak and chicken. And uh, you know, it's like $10 or whatever to add six shrimp to your salad, but usually they will let you order from that menu. So last night I ordered a side of uh, salmon and a side of shrimp and it was like 20 bucks, which was cheaper than anything else I could have gotten on the menu. And it was really delicious.
0: Brilliant yeah great tips and you mentioned there about cost as well and that is always a big one people think that because you're carnivore and you're looking for meats and you're looking for good cuts of meat and things that you have to be spending a fortune you have to be spending all of your wages on meat and animal produce but like you mentioned you could go and get burgers from McDonald's or wherever you wherever you fancy but There's also the tips and the tricks to try and bring the price down. Like you mentioned earlier, eggs, you know, they're a great one. So is there anything else you can say to help people understand that? It doesn't have to be this really expensive thing. You don't have to eat the fillets. There is other cheap cuts you can get.
1: So many tips here too. Um, I actually just finished kind of a two-week challenge to see how long I could make $140 worth of food last. And I was able to make it last two weeks. So it was $10 a day. And that wasn't even the cheapest stuff from the store. It was um, a brisket that I made into jerky, a couple of ribeyes that I cut into smaller servings. And then I served them with uh, fat trimmings, which I got for free, because if you have that extra fat, you don't need as much of the steak. So I cut one pound steaks into fourths and I did a four ounce steak for a meal with two or three ounces of fat. And that's like, gosh, close to a thousand calories. I mean, it's plenty of food. Um, and then I got a chuck roast, which I cut into steaks. I actually prefer to cook it more like a steak. That's like five bucks a pound and eggs. And then I got pretty expensive bacon and butter, the ones that I really like. And so for 10 bucks a day, I was able to eat, not even the cheap foods, but the ones that I really like. So if you're really on a budget, you could truly buy just only ground beef and chuck roasts and frankly, hot dogs, like all beef, hot dogs. Um, you could buy the cheapest cuts of the chicken, like the chicken thigh, the chicken drumsticks, all that. And, um, you know, maybe for, from the opinion of some carnivores that may not be the most optimal way to be a carnivore, but you could probably do that for $5 a day. And you're still going to be leaps and bounds healthier than anyone else. Who's just eating a standard American diet with all the processed crap and sugar and all that
0: Yeah, I think that's really important to say because I think it scares a lot of people off thinking they have to buy organic, they have to buy grass-fed, they have to get the best quality stuff out there. I mean, yes, that is going to be the optimal, the very, very top, but you don't have to. Like you say, you're going to be streets ahead and you're going to be so much better off than everybody else on the standard American, standard British, standard European, basically Western diet if you just opt for... Meat, produce. If you just opt for foods with that one ingredient instead of opting for foods with lots of ingredients, you know that just makes a hell of a difference to your whole nutrition. But earlier on, you mentioned plants, uh, vegetables, things like that. You, you said that you stopped eating them. Was that a personal choice, or was it because you maybe looked into it and figured out that these plants are not actually that bioavailable in terms of nutrients for us, and make our bodies it's hard for us to break them down.
1: Well, I first stopped eating them because I just bought in completely to the carnivore diet and knew that that didn't include plants. But then as I started to learn more about it from people like Dr. Anthony Chafee and Dr. Tim Berry, people that I really respect and know what they're talking about, learning about the bioavailability, like you mentioned, and learning about anti-nutrients, and then also just kind of remembering how my body was when I was just eating, you know, a giant bag of broccoli with a meal. And so I just, I no longer believe those things are healthy. And I know that that is not the traditional held belief in, at least in the United States. Um, but I just, I, I, if people eat them fine, but I don't know. I feel like I'm stepping on toes here, and I like to be nice and inclusive. Yeah, you can step I on as many toes here as you like. For you anymore? I, I think I don't. I wouldn't go so far as to say that they are poison. Like I think sugar is poison, but I don't think that they're optimal in any way.
0: No, I mean you you can say what you like on my podcast because I don't like plants. So, <laughs> but uh, okay. but the the really the reason is that most plants are carbohydrates, and when you break it down. Carbohydrates are not essential for human beings. We don't need carbohydrates. The only thing that goes along with those carbohydrates in plants are chemicals that our bodies don't recognize. So every time we eat particular foods, we break them down into chemical form. That's how we get our energy. And when we break animal foods down into chemical form, we can use those particular molecules to make our own energy. When we break down plant chemicals, plant molecules, we have to convert them into something else. An animal molecule, so we can use it. So it just takes far longer to go through all the process of getting any particular energy from these plant foods, which makes them not bioavailable. Which by the time we've got anything from them, they've passed through our digestive system and we've got rid of half of it anyway. So, (laughs) you know, the plant foods, if you're trying to get any sort of nutrition, any sort of protein, fats, anything good from them, your body just is fighting an uphill battle. I mean, there is people out there that do it better than others. I'm not saying you can't get anything from them. Yes, you can get perhaps a little bit from them, but it is by no means anywhere near what you can get from animal produce. You can just get everything in a far better bioavailable animal produce form from meats and foods that we are ourselves made of. (laughs) So there we go. But I always like to get the opinion of people, especially stoic carnivores, How is this nutrition sustainable? Because people will say to you, and earlier on, you said it yourself, you tried it a few years ago and then come off it and now you're back on it. So is it actually sustainable for a lifetime or is it something that maybe we have to go to now and again and come off and then go on again? Or is this something that we can really stick to?
1: Well, I strongly believe that it is sustainable for the long term, for the length of your life. But you have to do it right. And doing it right may be a little different for some people. For me, doing it right is not forcing myself to fast, not forcing myself to necessarily cut out everything besides meat. So I need to be able to also have eggs because I tolerate them well. I currently gave up dairy for 30 days and it's going okay, but I'd like to be able to add it back in just for a little bit of variety. Um, I need to be able to still go out to eat. And so if I just accidentally get some pepper on my food, I mean, I need to be able to eat that and be okay with it and not start this downward spiral of spiral of, Oh, I cheated already. Now I might as well just eat all the things that aren't carnivore. Um, so yeah, I think if you can, if you can figure out what makes you feel best, which is going to be a little different for everybody. And then just do that regardless of what other people say, whatever other people think If you can do that. Then it's absolutely sustainable.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. I'm pleased you said it like that because it goes back to what we said earlier about make carnivore, what you want your carnivore nutrition to be. If it means you have to have some fruits now and again, if it means you have coffee, if all that means that you are staying pretty much to your carnivore nutrition, then do it. You know, that's the only way it's sustainable. If you try and make it too strict, you try and do things you don't want to do like fasting or any particular exercise that you don't want to do or any particular acute stressor like cold water therapy or anything you don't want to do they're all great things to add in but at the end of the day not everybody can do them not everybody wants the same thing just make sure that what you're doing is right for you and that's a great thing to end on thank you very much today but first before you go tell people where they can follow along with you, find out all your information, all your content. If you've got a website or Instagram, anything like that, let us know.
1: Thank you so much. So I'm most active on Instagram and my handle is delighted to meet you, M-E-A-T. I'm also on YouTube and TikTok, but currently I'm mostly just reusing Instagram um, content to put on those platforms, but eventually I'll be doing more there. So stay tuned. But yeah, Instagram is definitely the place to start.
0: Brilliant. So I'll make sure that everybody comes and everybody follows you and and everybody joins in with the things that you're doing, because it sounds great.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you and your very insightful questions.
0: Thank you very much.